Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Lawrence Taylor of the Kenilworth Baptist Church. And I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of our podcast on reflection on the scripture. I want to talk to you a little bit about Christianity. Now, I don't know how many religions are in the world. I don't even know how many Christian denominations exist. The last number I heard was 5,000. But in terms of religions, I don't know. And I don't even know if anthropologists know that. But let's just acknowledge that there are many, many religions in the world. What makes Christianity different than all the other religions? Because oftentimes you hear people say, well, one religion is as good as the next, and the whole purpose for religion is just to make you a moral person, an ethical person, make you a better person. Well, let me tell you, the message of Christianity differs from all other religions. The major reason why is because of a doctrine known as justification by faith. In Judaism, and let's acknowledge that Christianity has its roots in Judaism, because no matter what you think of Jesus, whether you think Jesus is the Son of God, whether you think he is just a man, there is one fact that is irrefutable, and that is that Jesus was a Jew. Now, that is something that no one can debate. I know that in Islam they make the uh, fallacious claim that Jesus was a Muslim, uh, but Jesus lived 600 years before Muhammad, before there was Islam. Jesus was not a Muslim. He was a Jew. Remember the encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when he asked her for a drink of water. The woman said, how is it that you being a Jew would ask me, a woman of Samaria, for water. So she certainly understood and claimed him to be a Jew. In the Gospel of Matthew, it starts off with a genealogy. And in that genealogy, it says, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Well, if he's a son of David, a son of Abraham, it is clearly declaring his Judaism. And all throughout that genealogy that we find in Matthew chapter 1, you see the lineage of Jesus, that he's from the tribe of Judah, and that he was a Jew. So these fallacious claims that he was a Muslim, and that has absolutely no historical grounds whatsoever. But in terms of this religion being different from all others. Not even Judaism had a doctrine of justification by faith. Let me explain what I mean by that. Justification by faith simply means that when a person puts her faith 
or his faith in Jesus. That is, that you accept the fact that Jesus died in your place, a substitutionary death, the wrath that I was supposed to receive, the wrath that you are to receive, Jesus received it in our place. And if you accept the fact that he died in your place and that his death was sufficient enough to satisfy the just demands of God, then God gives you a declaration of innocence. That is what justification is. You are declared innocent now of the charges that were brought against you because Jesus bore the penalty for you. Only the death of Jesus could do that. In 1 John chapter 2, John writes, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may know, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. There is one important theological word in this passage, and that is the word propitiation. Now, the Greek word that's used there is hilosmos. I'll spell it for you. Uh, that's H I L. A-S-M-O-S, elosmos. That is the word that is translated propitiation. Well, what does it mean? Well, in essence, what it means is Jesus is the satisfaction. That's what it means. He's satisfied. He satisfies. What is satisfactory with reference to his death well, it is that his death alone could pay the price for sin. We were all objects of the wrath of God. And Jesus, in our stead, died and incurred that wrath when he was on the cross. And when God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross... It was as if everyone who had ever lived and everyone who will live was on the cross that day. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. It was as if everyone had died that day when Jesus died 
in on the cross. Why? Because he was bearing my sin and your sin. He did that on that cross for six hours. As God was pouring out his wrath, as it says in the book of Isaiah 53, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. And when he shall see his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. So there Jesus bore everyone's sin. Now, that means that I don't have to pay the penalty because the penalty I would pay would mean I would have to suffer for eternity. That's right, under the wrath of God. I'm reading a biography now on Mother Teresa, the saint of Calcutta. And she came to prominence uh, back in the 1960s, 70s, because of an English journalist by the name of Malcolm Muggeridge. He, he put her on the world platform. And remember, she even wins the Nobel Peace Prize because of her charitable works. Um, she tra- uh, traveled all over the world to help the indigent, the financial, financially indigent, to help the sick you, you see Mother Teresa there. And she started a, an organization called Missionary Charities. But for those nuns who worked under her, and I'm not saying anything to disparage Mother Teresa, but there was a notion that under Mother Teresa that you had to propitiate for your own sins. You had to expiate for your own sins. So this nun who was living in this order uh, was taken back when she was given a rope and she was told to engage in self-flagellance, to beat herself. That's right. She had to actually beat herself with the rope. And this is, and you can hear the screaming going on. And they said this was the way to propitiate their sins, to satisfy God's anger. Okay, well, hey, on that, again, don't, I don't want anybody getting upset with me. I'm not making any disparaging remarks about Mother Teresa, but that is totally unnecessary. Jesus did that on the cross. You don't need to expiate. In matter of fact, you cannot expiate for your own sins. Such a notion is an impossibility. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, in Romans 5, the Apostle Paul, uh, let me just get that for you, uh, wrote, for while, in verse verse 6, for while we were still helpless, Now, note that, helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So he says that we were so helpless, we could not satisfy God's justice. So Jesus did it for us. He died in our place. Notion that you got to beat yourself in order to expiate for your sins is just alien to the gospel. I'll tell you guys who had that notion. Martin Luther, the reformer. 
Remember, Martin Luther was a Catholic monk. He was of the Augustinian order. And he used to, as a monk, climb the steps of the Sistine Chapel on his knees. He wore coarse clothing so it would irritate his skin. He did all of that in order to expiate for sin so he could feel right with God. And none of that, none of that gave him any sense of peace. It is not until he discovered in the scripture that when a person puts his faith in Jesus, that that person is declared righteous. He's declared, he's given a declaration of innocence. It is then when Martin Luther discovered that, that he challenged the church by nailing his 95 theses to the church of Wittenberg. He nailed it on the door to challenge the church to a public debate based on scripture that he found out that a person does not have to do anything but put his faith in Jesus. Now, I know that that sounds almost uh, too good to be true because a lot of people say, not, not do anything? Well, what does the Bible say? It says in Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. I remember that I was one day at a kingdom hall and the elders of the kingdom hall were trying to convince me that you need good works in order to get saved. And I read this passage to the head elder, whatever his title was, and I said, well, what do you have to say about that? And he stared at these two verses. He just looked at them before he answered me. He just, and then he scratched his head and he looked at me and said, no works? I said, well, that's what it says. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And then he looked at me and said, this meeting is adjourned. He said, we will meet next week and we will come up with an answer for you. And I came the following week to that kingdom hall in Brooklyn, I won't name it, and they didn't let me in. They locked the doors, they would not let me in. The truth was staring them right in the face, right in the face. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is what makes Christianity different from all, of, all religions. All religions have some kind of work system where you have to make some human effort based on your own merit in order to get right with God. But Jesus paid it all. And the only challenge that lies before us is to accept that atoning work that he did on the cross. So in our passage back in 1 John chapter, chapter uh, 2, note what it says 
in verse 2, and he himself, that's the New American Standard, is the propitiation. He is the satisfaction. He satisfies the just demands of God for our sins. Now, when he says our, he's not just talking about the unsaved. He's talking about those who are Christians too, because Christians sin. But Jesus does not stop being God's satisfaction. He says um, he's a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. The only challenge that a person has is to accept the work that has already been done. You don't need to accomplish anything on your own. Good works will come, but good works are never the means by which a person obtains right standing with God. Good works are the results of having obtained that right standing. See, once you are justified, then God sanctifies you and you're able to do good works. So let's make sure we got the order right. You can't do anything until God has done everything. So this is another episode on reflection on the scripture. Thank you for listening.